Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Feckin' Football. I'm here with my good friends, the King of Ping, Ross Sambra and El Diablo, Dara Agnew. We're having a, a fan zone special to reflect on the big match of the week, the match we've all been thinking about and waiting for, Liverpool versus Man United. So we're having a, a fan special. Uh, so we're going to start off with 30 seconds of banter before we get into it. <laughs> Hello, Ross. How are you? Hey, Tommy. Uh, thanks again for having us on. No props. I think the City game was the last game. Another nil all. So that, that could be an omen for the future. We're on a good run. And making <laughs> his podcast debut, El Diablo 48 on Twitter. Uh, Mr. Dara Agnew, how are you this evening? Very good, Timmy. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Uh, Long time listener, first time contributor. All that cliched uh, element. So... Uh, I think that ticks our banter box there, does it? So that's good banter, is it? Yeah, introductions really will will class that as as banter. Uh, so let's get straight into this uh, Liverpool versus Man United. Uh, nil nil was the result, as Ross has just mentioned. Uh, expected goals was one point five to Liverpool, one point two two to Man United. Uh, possession sixty six percent for Liverpool, thirty four percent for Man United. Eighteen shots to Liverpool, eight to Man United. And 572 passes for Liverpool and 251 for Man United. To be honest, I just had statistics and I didn't know where to put them in in the show. So I just thought I'd throw throw them out there. (laughs) Uh, But we might come back to them. Uh, But I just want to start off with that this was uh, a big match. um, And it's rare that, that Liverpool... And Man United is actually a top of the table match that can influence both of their kind of title ch- uh, chances. And as a Man United fan and a Liverpool fan, maybe first to the Liverpool fan, you, you won the league last year. Uh, but is it more special to, to play these big games against Man United than, let's say, Man City or Chelsea? Or does it not matter? Um, obviously, City the last couple of years was a bit more, um, two years ago especially, but... You know, it's, it's Man United and they've set the barometer, especially in our era growing up in the 90s, and that's who you're targeting. So to be in a situation where, you know, you're challenging United for top of the table or to win the league, is, is, it's a unique, it's a new experience in my fiefdom. You know, there was the, obviously the Makeda famous goal against Aston Villa in the um, Benitez era, but yeah, so to be up against United and these kind of things probably is a bit more just from a day-to-day going into work, walking around type small talk, football small talk point of view uh, more than it would have been a city. Yeah, it's, it's been a weird one for, for all of us growing up in our, our era, uh, born in the mid-80s and growing up in the 90s and, and noughties, that the people around us, Liverpool and Man United would have been the, the most supported in Ireland but this is the first time and there was a match that really mattered to, to both of them so it was really a, a nice build up I, I, Had you any thoughts on that Ross? Yeah I suppose to echo what Agnew said like in the 90s even when United played Liverpool obviously it was a big game but United were always better even though even if the results didn't always go their way it never made it, it was never the difference between winning the league and losing the league or do you know what I mean so like if United lost to Liverpool in 96, 97 or, or whatever it it was never going to be that Liverpool were going to go on and win the league because of it or United were going to lose the league because of it so obviously the rivalry was there and historically it's always been a massive game but when they're both kind of up the top of the table I think it brings another element to it and it actually probably makes the games even more cagey than they were years ago you know because there's a lot more to lose and there's a lot more on it and like I think you could see that 
in the game today that you know I don't think either team really went for it like I think United maybe in the last 15 minutes were like alright there's a chance to win it here but probably for 60 minutes 70 minutes they're very cagey you know so I think it definitely makes it more more cagey when you're watching it anyway yeah, yeah. and then when you t- there's no crowd there as well so it's it, that kind of adds to the, the lack of uh, intensity in the match I think or, or there was intensity but I think people the teams were being uh, uh, very cautious and then uh, it was kind of a hard one to predict uh, I thought before it because uh, Man United top of the league but but not really in great form at, at different times of the league like they pulled out some consistency in the last few matches and, and have been looking a lot better uh, but it was hard to predict how they do and then Liverpool they seem to have dropped down a bit since last season w- would you agree with that Dara as a Liverpool fan have you noticed that Going into today, Liverpool form has you know dipped significantly this season, especially compared to the last two, and in specifically that you know goal scoring element has seemed to disappear in the last few weeks, compared to United, who have you know all of a sudden you know it was, it was what it was back in October when they got hammered by Tottenham, and you kind of would have written United off as another kind of year where Rice they're going through the motions, um, and then their change of form you know in the last. You know, since then, especially their away form, they would have gone in definitely. You know, I think you go into you know either or if you're playing in Anfield or Old Trafford, you're happy enough with the points, no matter what kind of element it is. But United would have definitely hoped to. I would have thought it was the best chance to go in and beat Liverpool in Anfield. Yeah, I think so. And I put out a um, a message on Twitter just to see what people were predicting, and a non Vole, for example, tweeted in, and he said it would be two two. Uh, Andy Ward said nil nil, and yourself, Dara, on Twitter said it would be one one. So before the match, it was it was very hard to call. Um, I I have to say when I saw the the starting lineups um, announced, I thought that that made Man United the favourites. Actually, that this was now an opportunity when you have uh, Jordan Henderson and Fabinho in the centre of defence, and even even uh, Shakiri in in midfield was a strange selection. I thought for Liverpool or an unusual selection. Um, so what did you think as a Man United fan, Ross, when, when you saw that Liverpool lineup? Were you licking your lips? Yeah, exactly. Well, I was thinking, Agnew just said there, it was the best chance in years to go there and win. And especially because, you know, Liverpool have been the better team probably over the last six or seven years. And any time the match was coming around, you're as a United fan, you're always saying, we get a point there and move on. And I was kind of thinking that even before the game, like get a point and move on. And even now that the game is over, like I'm not, I'm not like really disappointed with the result. Like it, it's a point to keep some top of the league, keeps three points between United and Liverpool, but just the game was there to be taken. It was there to be won. And, you know, United had two really good chances to win it, which does make it a little bit more disappointing. But I think Liverpool, they kind of they dominated the first 20 25 minutes Thiago was pulling the strings but they never really created a chance of uh, Firmino had a few few kind of half chances that he scuffed towards the Gea but they never really like broke United's defense down and they were fairly comfortable like the Gea like it, he could have been anyone in goals and he didn't make any significant contribution to the game at all so i think like i think definitely um, Fabinho and Henderson being in centre half actually really affected Liverpool's forward play because they're two of the best midfielders in the league to be fair to them and 
when you take them out of there, like they did fine at centre half, but I think it really took away from Liverpool's press and like their intensity and that. And you know, it definitely made it a game that you know, I think United should have been looking to win anyway with 15 minutes to go or 20 minutes to go, you know. Yeah, and just on that, um, was there something about Man United's tactics and team selection that had you any thoughts about that? Was it a bit Yeah, like I suppose it was surprising a little bit to see Lindelof come back in instead of Bailey. Um, now, I thought Lindelof was excellent in the game and he's kind of a favourite of Solskjaer, so it shouldn't have been too much of a surprise. But I suppose the way Bailey's played over the last two or three games was a little bit of a surprise to see him in. Um, I think people probably would have wanted to see Cavani start instead of Marshall because Marshall hasn't really done hasn't really played well this season and you know Cavani's made a good impact when he's coming on now the only thing I think Cavani at the moment is better coming off the bench I think the game suits him more coming off the bench and like I could see why he why he went went that way and I think was kind of Pogba playing nearly wide right I don't really think it suited him like I think he played all right but I don't know. It's uh, that's not a position that I would have thought. You know, that's where he's going to flourish. And like, I think he ended up playing Marshall on the left and Rashford in the middle when they've been playing opposite, uh, like in the lead up to it as well. So there's a few tactical things that I'm not sure if they really worked or not. Like, I suppose if he kept a clean sheet, you kind of nullified Liverpool. But I'm not really sure it worked at Rashford playing in, in through the middle and Marshall on the left. But I, I don't know why he, well, he wouldn't have played them the opposite way around, you know. But yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. But you know, I suppose tactically, it, he Ollie will probably say, you know, we've had the two best chances. Um, didn't take them, but we didn't really give anything up uh, over the other end, you know. Yeah, it's a strange, strange feeling for for United to to stay in the game and then have the two best chances and and then not take them. And uh, so I I think they were saying on Sky Sports that the match was there for the taking for for United because of those chances. Um, what what do you think was the Liverpool reaction to that, uh, Agnew? I, I haven't coming out of that match. Yeah, I think ultimately it's a lot has been made of the defensive crisis and missing Van Dijk and Gomez and that t- again today Matip. But you know, it's, again, you know, stats can only say so much. But defensively, Liverpool it hasn't been a problem. They've you know not conceded overly much in the last few weeks. It's more the other side of things, the goal scoring side of things. And I think you know my big thing today was the fact that yes, they definitely played well centre half, but. Henderson's drive going forward was missed, I think, um, especially in a big game like that against your rivals. You know, the, the middle three of Thiago, Shakiri, and Wijnaldum are all te- technically sound. They're nice, clean footballers, nice in little small spaces. But when the game, especially in that kind of 25, you know, 15 to a half an hour in the first half, when Liverpool were on top, I just kind of felt that, you know, now I think this is part and parcel of you know, the crowd's not being in there. If that had been, you know, 50,000 at Anfield and, you know, that kind of pressure onslaught had, was kicking off with the likes of, you know, Henderson's driving runs, a bit of kind of lung busting going in and then you had that crowd, you know, on top of it. I think that would have been a real period where you would have expected Liverpool of old of last year to turn, you know, create it a bit more than they actually did. Um, so that's why you know it was it's a lot of nice, nice, tidy stuff without really ever creating overly too much. I think when you look back on it, it was a very unusual Liverpool central defence, and then a quite an unusual Liverpool midfield as well. Um, so so you, you couldn't expect them to perform 
too kind of fluidly and I, th- I think they were they were quite stop start during the game they had periods when they were on top but they couldn't keep it up consistently uh, for, for the 90 minutes um, so yeah like I, I don't know do you, do, you, do you both think that a draw was a fair result overall and are you satisfied with that or? Um, from a Liverpool point of view I didn't see enough that they did today to, to get three points in all honesty um, half shot pot shots you know the best chances were ultimately chances, you know, Firmino should have, you know, you can see the confidence isn't there that they're snatching at shots or snatching at chances. You know, in the first half, you should have, you know, last year would have played the the assist into Robinson there on the Robinson there on the wing. Um, and so, yeah, from Liverpool, I don't think other than outside possessions and a few, you know, the first half donors, I don't think they did enough to win the game. Yeah, and King of Ping? I think a draw was fair. I think uh, Liverpool probably shaded the play and United shaded the chances. But from a United point of view, I think look if you're looking to finish third or fourth in the league, a point away to Liverpool is a great result. And you know you move on and you pull them away in the next game. If you get a win there, that's seven points from the last uh, three games, three away games. That's really good going. But I think if you want to win a league, you have to win that type of game because... The momentum and belief that you get from winning, winning, winning somewhere like Anfield where they haven't lost for such a long time, I think that really creates that you know momentum and belief going forward. And the draw, uh, it's a decent result, but it doesn't give you that belief, you know. So I think it's kind of as you were a little bit. But if United win, they go six points ahead of Liverpool, and you're actually kind of thinking then, oh, maybe they can win the league, but. You know, I think the jury's certainly still out on that for me anyway. Yeah, it would have given them a massive boost. And we're recording this and, and Man City are 1-0 up against Crystal Palace after 48 minutes as we speak. And I think it's it was a really great result uh, for, for Manchester City. Um, so so what, what what's your kind of outlook for Liverpool for the rest of the season, uh, Agnew? Or to be honest, what do you, think you know, I think there's that, a bit like you said with that belief with United, there's that bit of shadow dancing going on at the minute that they're all kind of looking at each other, just wondering who's going to actually grab this by the horns and just kind of, you know, you know, make that run. You know, I remember a few years ago, or, you know, most you'd hear of teams going on, you know, 13, 14 win streaks, let alone unbeaten streaks. And I can't see at the, at the stage we're going now, any team actually pulling away and doing that now at the minute where they're going to get you know, even 10, 12, 10, 11, 12 wins in, on the go. So I think this title race out of all of them is going to be, you know, I wouldn't dis- discount, you know, Leicester and Tottenham will also be involved. I, th- I think it's going to be, there's going to be no runaway winner. Now, two or three might pull away towards the end, but I think it's there, you know, there's no team that's significantly better than the other. And I think this could go, you know, potentially right down towards, you know, the last few weeks of the season. That's a really good point, and I think even Manchester City, who people have been saying are under the radar, but they're now on the radar, and everybody's kind of saying they're under the radar. And but even that they produced consistency in the last few weeks. But they, as you said, there like there's no there's no one team miles away. You, 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 like Man City are not going to go out ahead and and storm the league. I'd say and and win by ten points or anything like that. Uh, what's your kind of outlook for for the rest of the season there, Ross? Yeah. <sighs> I think yeah, it's a bit of a weird. It's a weird league. It's probably the weirdest league that I can remember, especially like with the no fans. And I think that's led into teams like dropping a lot of points. Like City and Liverpool over the last kind of two years, two seasons, they're getting 
either a hundred po- close to a hundred points. Like this year, you probably win the league with eighty three or eighty four. So from a United point of view, do you think you can get to eighty three or eighty four? You probably can. You probably can believe that you can get there. So in that way, like you'd say, there's a chance for United to go on and compete for the league. Now, I don't really see that happening. I think. I think is alright. I think it will be probably four or five teams up to maybe eight or nine games to go, and then you'll see. Like I, I still think City are probably the favourites at the moment. I think their next kind of four or five games are very winnable games, so they'll probably end up going into the Liverpool match in February on top of the league. And I think again, it's Liverpool away. If if they can go and and beat Liverpool away, I think that'll give them the momentum to actually go on and win the league at that point. From uh, from United, I think I still think probably Liverpool and City have better uh, starting elevens. I think United squads better than Liverpool's. If you look at the benches today, United had Cavani, Greenwood, Van der Beek, Tellez, Bailey, Henderson, even on the bench. It's a very strong squad. I don't see that strength and depth in Liverpool, but I think their first eleven is better than United. So if they can get them eleven on the pitch, like consistently till the end of the season, you know they'll they'll still go close to win the league again. I just think probably it'll be City one, probably Liverpool two, and then you know it could be anyone after that. United, Spurs, Leicester, all in the mix. You know, it's the first time in a long time when there's like at this stage halfway through the season there's five or six teams challenging. So it should be an exciting feckin' end to the season. And uh, we're just going to finish off today with a bit of banter, a bit of uh, humorous observations. Well, maybe not humorous, but certain things I noticed about the the match today, I wanted to get both your opinions on. Uh, I noticed that that Sky Sports coverage, they've gone for a very uh, partisan sort of bantery. I support Man United, like Gary Neville, I'm full on Man United and Carragher, I'm full on Liverpool. And at one point, Carraher in commentary said to Gary Neville, uh, "We," he said, "like we or you." He said, "This is a good, this is a good play for you," or something like that. Another another occasion, Man United were on the counter attack, and Carraher said, "Oh no." Yeah, so, the Rashford so, chance at the end, yeah. or near the end, that he should have played Cavani, and I, I heard that. Yeah, look, I suppose when the two of them are there, it's not as bad because like you, you kind of if you're if if you're following United, like Neville kind of has your point of view, and if you're following Liverpool, Carragher does. But I don't like them when they when they commentate on their own matches. Like Neville was commentating on the Burnley match during the week, and I just thought he was trying to overcompensate. Like there was an incident in the first half with Shaw that he was dying to get Shaw sent off for the tackle. Now it was probably a foul, and like it, what they should have brought brought it back and give it free. But like they showed the replay about forty times and slowed it down, and Neville kept saying he hasn't got a touch on the ball. He hasn't got a touch on the ball. It was like he has got a touch on the ball. He has followed through and got him, but he definitely got a touch on the ball. It's just like. I just I don't like either. I like I love the two of them. Like Monday night football tomorrow, I think they're on again. I and I'll sit there. I'd watch them talk about football for two or three hours, no bother. But I think when it's live and when they're watching their own team, I I don't think either of them come across very well. I, to be honest with you, I think it is because they're they're such good analysts and they're so good at the tactics and they're so good at being fair and objective. And then I feel like it's been encouraged in the Sky Sports studios that like oh, oh now we're doing this bantery thing what do you think yeah i agree i think it's gone from a stage there you know they went from being this breath of fresh air of you know this much more tactical insight than you know 
Mercer's Gray and Keys and Co. But um, I think now it's exactly that they kind of are playing too much of this bantery, twittery reaction of, you know, us versus them. And, you know, as a neutral point of view, if you were sitting there watching as, you know, Newcastle or Everton fan, you'd kind of be like, oh, I'm sick of these kind of bit of gobshitery about it. Um, when I think if they, you know, just were to analyze the game or analyze the on its merits and just leave aside who's actually playing, it'd be far better compared to what has come a bit kind of jokey, pantomime you know, we're making gags about own goals and things like that. It's a bit pally and, you know, there's an element of professionalism. I would like to back a bit now to be honest but yeah I'd be the same and I just want to stay with you on this one Agnew because you brought up the, the kind of unprofessionalism what do you think of the dynamic between Roy Keane and, and Mika Richards their, their banter <laughs> do you have any thoughts on that yeah I mean I mean that's another thing I think you know again at first it was it was a unique take because you know sorry, Roy's known as being this grumpy persona and you know this and that and you had Mika Richards being overly top jovial and at first again it would have been you know naturally would have been a bit entertaining when it first came about but now it's just forced crack of you know we're going to have Mika Richards laughing out loud for absolutely nothing and Roy putting up this persona of this oh I'm actually angry this is you know Laurel and Hardy style slapstick stuff so um, I think it diminishes the products to be honest a bit now no one wants to take themselves too seriously and it's you know it is what it is but uh, I think ultimately it's got a bit jaded at this stage and King of Ping any thoughts on that? Yeah, like at the end of the day, like it it is it is a serious match that you're covering. You know, like it's grand to break the ice sometimes with a bit of crack and that, but like you kind of want them to just like analyze the match seriously. You know, and like sometimes it is funny that you know Kane will take something up and Richards will just you know lose his mind laughing. But like I actually like I I think Sunes and Kane as a good mix because they're both kind of that steely type thing, but they're coming from opposite sides in terms of you know in today's matches obviously United against Liverpool. But I think they're actually I think Sunes is actually usually very good in terms of like tactically and stuff. I know. He always gives out about Pogba and that, but like he's actually right nine times out of ten. I think as well. I think he's usually he's usually decent. Um, I th- I think Kane is probably he's turning into a little bit of a parody of himself sometimes. I think I don't know if he's playing up to the whole you know the scowl on his face all the time, and you know that's what's like playing off Richards is then playing off that but I don't know it's like sometimes I think I think Carragher and Neville doing the analysis on a Monday is much better than like kind of hearing Mika Richards laugh and like Roy Keane just being overly critical of people for no reason and that's so. all I think Roy Keane is almost talking himself out of a managerial position like because he becomes less and less serious as a as a person watching football and I, th- I think he was linked with a job during the week Sheffield Wednesday actually was it? Yeah, it, it, it like usually you actually go on Sky and do that type of thing just to keep your your name in, you know, in people's minds and that. But yeah, I think you're right. I think he is. He's very critical of the players, and I don't know in this kind of modern era that players don't really like that anymore. Like they don't like most of them don't take criticism well. They're most of them are babied even from a young age. Like even going back into the like the U teams, they don't have to clean the boots or the dressing rooms or anything anymore. You know, none of that goes on. So they're they're told from a very young age that they're brilliant players and all this sort of stuff. And you know, and Kane's kind of saying 
on national television in front of millions and millions of people like he wouldn't allow I think the hay on the bus last year or he'd he would have punched the face off Maguire at one stage you know it's it's funny it's humorous but like it's not going to endear him to like an employer I don't think in terms of having a manager's job he called uh, the right back for City Kyle Walker an idiot <laughs> just called yeah. an idiot recently uh, yeah so very good uh, chat talk on the commentary there uh, finally I just want to raise this point uh, over to you Agnew uh, Liverpool's jersey collar uh, as it goes around the back it seems as if it's the front of the collar and it goes around the back have, it, have you been it, aware it's, of this it's horrific um, two things actually because I, I don't know um on today's match, who is who allowed? Considering how picky the TV broadcasting can be, and primarily the cut the kick colours of the dark United away jersey and Liverpool red, I'd be prone to a bit of colour blindness. And uh, I, if it wasn't for United's white socks, genuinely, if the camera was panned out, there was times I thought, right man on, there's someone right behind you. And um, but yeah, that aside, yeah, the backwards collar thing is is baffling. Like they went to Nike as the big, you know, big money, big transfer from New Balance, um, and then they come around with, uh, yeah, a backwards collar. It's it harks back to the kind of uh, Robbie Fowler era of the red and teal and white, but uh, it's very strange to be honest. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was a bit strange, all right. And then on the Man United side, side I suppose the, the black jerseys have been around for a while. But I did notice they came out in a training type of... Uh, it was almost like a polka dot, red and purple and different colours and that. Would you be into that, that Ross? Yeah, no. I, I, I think I've actually... Like Adidas sponsor United, obviously, but I've been really disappointed with the the quality of the gear that they've produced. Like the jersey, like the 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 alternative jersey was that zebra one that they could have worn today. Yeah. Now, now they could have worn that, and that probably would have been more distinguishable than the black. But like, it's a terrible jersey. Like one of the worst I've ever seen. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. And um, yeah, so like I I I don't think Adidas have done a great job with the United stuff. Like actually. They they do Arsenal as well, and the Arsenal gear is much nicer. Anytime you see their gear, I think, Jesus, that's much better than what they they're producing for United. So the Liverpool gear is terrible as well. It always is, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of banter there. It's a bit of a jab. <laughs> okay, well that that kind of brings us to the end of uh, the the commentary and our chat. And yeah, any any closing comments? Uh, just. <laughs> um, don't know how to end this yeah I suppose it, it, it was a decent point all around I think everyone moves on from it so um, no, no ground lost as you probably said to me probably the best result today was for City um, so they'll gain ground and they're 2 up at the moment well as well. yeah City are 2-0 yeah, so like, yeah. they're going to win yeah and Agnew any final thoughts yeah same thing I don't think it's anything that will live long in the memory anyway and um, in terms of the, the 90 minutes itself and yeah it's a bit of status quo incident no one really making their move just yet so um, you know you just want to be picking up points at home you want to be winning but you know the, the way the form is going it just doesn't look like the goals are going to start you know being created just yet so um, yeah after watching that 90 minutes I don't think they you know they're poking out any qualms about not picking up the three points Okay, and thank you very much, both of you, for coming on uh, Feckin' Football. Uh, very steady, accomplished debut by, by Agnew. <laughs> uh, 
and uh, very much. the King of England with his usual <laughs> usual stellar performance. Uh, hopefully, have you both on again sometime in the future if you'd like to. Um, and uh, have a good evening, I suppose. And we'll we'll leave it at that. And to all the feckin' maniacs, uh, you can check me out on feckin' football at feckin' football on Twitter. And the bigger podcast is called uh, Feckin' Checkin'. So, everyone, take care. Uh, have a good week. 